Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, Lehi is called as a prophet, Jerusalem decides they don't want a prophet, and it is better that one man should perish. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. Right, today we are looking in the Book of Mormon at 1 Nephi chapters 1 through 7. Uh, there's a big passage I'd like to read that describes the call of Lehi to be a prophet. Uh, it encompasses verses 4 through 15. I'll go ahead and get started. For it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, my father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days, and in that same year there came many prophets, prophesying unto the people that they must repent, or the great city of Jerusalem must be destroyed. Wherefore it came to pass that my father Lehi, as he went forth, prayed unto the Lord, even with all his heart, in behalf of his people. And it came to pass, as he prayed unto the Lord, there came a pillar of fire, and dwelt upon a rock before him. And he saw and heard much, and because of the things which he saw and heard, he did quake and tremble exceedingly. And it came to pass that he returned to his own house at Jerusalem, and he cast himself upon his bed, being overcome with the spirit and the things which he had seen. And being thus overcome with the spirit, he was carried away in a vision, even that he saw the heavens open. And he thought he saw God sitting upon his throne, surrounded with numberless concourses of angels, in the attitude of singing and praising their God. And it came to pass that he saw one descending out of the midst of heaven, and behold, and beheld that his luster was above that of the sun at noonday. And he also saw twelve others following him, and their brightness did exceed that of the stars in the firmament. And they came down and went forth upon the face of the earth. And the first came and stood before my father, and gave unto him a book, and bade him that he should read. And it came to pass that as he read, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And he read, saying, Woe, woe unto Jerusalem, for I have seen thine abominations. Yea, and many things did my father read concerning Jerusalem, that it should be destroyed, and the inhabitants thereof many should perish by the sword, and many should be carried away captive into Babylon. And it came to pass that when my father had read and seen many great and marvelous things, he did exclaim many things unto the Lord, such as, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Thy throne is high in the heavens, and thy power and goodness and mercy are over all the inhabitants of the earth. And because thou art merciful, Thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee, that they shall perish. And after this manner was the language of my father, and the praising of his God. For his soul did rejoice, and his whole heart was filled, because of the things which he had seen, yea, which the Lord had shown unto him. Okay, big passage. 
and there's quite a bit that happens there. What I'd like to just point out generally is elements of these events, his vision and his dream, this is similar to things that we see in the Old Testament with some of the other prophets. Ezekiel seeing wheels, uh, strange creatures seen by Daniel, uh, all, all sorts of fire involved in, in the story of the Exodus with Moses. Uh, in, in numerous capacities, a pillar of fire was representative of God. Uh, already, the one that descends from heaven followed by 12. Uh, 12 is a very important number, and this can allude both to an Old Testament view of the 12 tribes of Israel and Jacob, and also to Jesus Christ and his 12 apostles. And I think that's a key idea, that we shouldn't be surprised with the Old Testament elements that we find, because Lehi, Nephi, Jacob, Enos, they are Old Testament prophets. In every sense of the way that Amos and Nahum and Habakkuk and uh, Zephaniah, Zechariah, and Malachi are Old Testament prophets, so are a large number of these Book of Mormon prophets. I think that this is kind of also uh, significant because the words that are in this book that Lehi sees in his dream, uh, they, they prophesy of destruction. But Lehi's response to this is not, oh, oh no, it's all over, we're going to be destroyed. Instead, he sees through the difficult circumstances surrounding the coming of Babylon, and he focuses on the mercy that God is offering to those that come to him. The ability to see mercy amid alarming facts is a gift. Jesus himself explains this when he teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. The light of the, of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be filled with light. But if the light that is in thee be darkness, behold, how great is that darkness. This is the idea. If you focus on what is good and right and true, then the chaos that surrounds it is blurred. It can be ignored even to some degree. Um... And it, and it fills the person who's focused on light with right. And you can see this, this tendency of focusing on what's, what's good in spite of circumstances, uh, come into play again and again in the Book of Mormon. Certainly not by accident. This is an important lesson that will be necessary as the great and terrible day of the Lord draws near to us. Um, of course, after Nebuchadnezzar came and carried away many people, including Daniel and his friends, those that remained had an opportunity to see past all of the destruction that they had endured, which had largely come from wickedness under the reigns of Jehoiakim and his son Jehoiakim, and recognize that even in this late hour in the kingdom of Judah, 
God wanted to help them. This, Lehi wasn't given all of this because it was just like a, huh, look what I'm going to do kind of thing. It was intended that he go and ask them to come back. It was an invitation to be better. Of course, Jerusalem decided that they did not want a prophet. If we look in verses 18 and 20, 18 through 20, we read, Therefore I would that ye should know that after the Lord had shown so many marvelous things unto my father Lehi, yea, concerning the destruction of Jerusalem, behold, he went forth among the people and began to prophesy and to declare unto them concerning the things which he had both seen and heard. And it came to pass that the Jews did mock him because of the things which he testified of them. For he truly testified of their wickedness and their abominations. And he testified that the things which he saw and heard, and also the things which he read in the book, manifested plainly of the coming of a Messiah, and also the redemption of the world. And when the Jews heard these things, they were angry with him, yea, even as with the prophets of old, whom they had cast out and stoned and slain. And they also sought his life, that they might take it away. But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen, because of their faith, to make them mighty, even unto the power of deliverance. So the people in Jerusalem resorted to two major reactions. One was mockery. And to some degree, that's understandable, because no one wants to be told that they're bad. And a person who's defensive about this has a natural tendency to want to discredit anyone who is bringing them a negative assessment, whether or not the assessment has merit. Even today, prophets and apostles are subject to the same tactics by enemies of the church, and it doesn't matter if the prophetic counsel is given in love and kindness uh, or in sincerity and gentleness, uh, the mocking comes one way or the other. Now, that having been said, it is important to note that mocking, anywhere you see it, is not necessarily a bad thing. We do read about Elijah, for example, mocking the foolish ideas of the priests of Baal, who were literally praying to a rock, an image that was not capable of hearing. And it was important that Israel see that the ideas that had been imported by Jezebel were bad. They were foolish. Um, it is important to determine when any person receives criticism, uh, whether or not that criticism has some merit. So a person who is capable of finding motivation to improve themselves in avoiding foolish ideas they can actually become better for being mocked. But a person who is um, mocking something that is genuinely good or true, that's not the same. That's a problem. And this is what was going on with Lehi. They weren't seeking to, to listen to what he had to say. 
They were just saying all of his ideas are bad and he should be made fun of because he stands for what is right. Uh, this is a difficult thing to kind of wade through in an age where we have so much information uh, of finding, you know, who's being like Elijah and mocking a bad idea and who is being like the people who just didn't want to be criticized and mocking ideas that might suggest that they're doing something wrong. This is not easy to do. Um, and it requires a lot of study and a lot of careful thought. One thing that is probably not helpful in this strategy, though, is the exact other thing that the Jews did at this point. Get angry. Um, humility is really difficult. And people had the tendency to try to justify their anger. When somebody does something that you don't like and you get angry, Almost always, a person doesn't think, well, maybe I shouldn't feel angry. It's almost always focused on that person did something, and so of course I should feel angry at them. But sometimes it takes a little bit of, of careful, honest reflection to realize that you are a bad person who needs to be better. And that instead of getting mad, you should get better. This is something that applies universally to myself included. We all have room to improve. And even from those who do not wish us well, if we can find inspiration of instead of becoming consumed with anger or justifying negativity towards other people, if we can find it within ourselves, to make ourselves harder to uh, be deserving of accusation, uh, I think that's better. I think we can become better. A, a person who stops uh, uh, wasting as much time, who works more diligently, who studies more carefully, who uh, improves their health and fitness, uh, any of these things can be become positive. Uh, certainly at the beginning of the year, it's a good time to think about what is it about ourselves that people are giving us feedback for that we might, you know, improve so that people might not have cause to mock us. Um, okay, the other point on this subject the people in Jerusalem who responded with mockery and with anger legitimately did not think that Jerusalem would be destroyed. And we see a little bit of evidence of this in the next chapter in 1 Nephi, um, which reads, And thus Laman and Lemuel, being the eldest, did murmur against their father. And they did murmur because they knew not the dealings of that God who had created them. Neither did they believe that Jerusalem that great city could be destroyed, according to the words of the prophets. And they were like unto the Jews who were at Jerusalem, who sought to take away the life of my father. So, just briefly looking at context here, Nebuchadnezzar had just come and taken what he wanted. 
He came and eliminated all resistance and installed Zedekiah as the king. Why on earth would the Jews think that, oh yeah, Jerusalem cannot be destroyed? It's hard to figure out. Maybe it's because it had been around for so long and they thought that, yeah, times will get tough, but the city will remain. Of course, they should have known better. They did not understand the threat that the Babylon was. Um, the only way that Jerusalem had survived as long as it had uh, was through the power of God. If you go back and look at the situation with Hezekiah, it was surrounded by hundreds of thousands of soldiers. And had it not been for an angel of God who came in a desperate hour of faith and prayer and slain 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, Judah would have been destroyed. It was God that saved it. Their military abilities were garbage compared to the great empires in this rising age. All right. Let's move on to one of the um, more interesting aspects of our reading. Uh, it is better that one man should perish. So Nephi courageously goes back to Jerusalem, risking his life at the command of God, which came through his father Lehi. Uh, they were trying to obtain the brass plates, which was essentially the scriptures, the Old Testament, from Laban who was a not-nice dude. Now, they had made a couple of attempts, and none of them had ended very well. In fact, uh, Nephi and Sam and Laman and Lemuel uh, had all kind of left the city, and uh, Laman and Lemuel believed that they were going to get killed. Uh, certainly, Laban had threatened to kill them and their father. Um, Nephi refuses to give up. He turns to the scriptures for examples about how those who do as God asks are entitled to God's help. And he hops over the wall of the city and comes in. In this process, not knowing exactly what he's going to be doing, but trusting in God, he comes across Laban, who is drunk and unconscious. Nephi is prompted by the Holy Ghost to do something that seems quite unlikely, to kill him. And at first, he thinks this is a bad idea. But the Holy Ghost continues to give the same command. We read in 1 Nephi chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, And it came to pass that the Spirit said unto me again, Slay him. For the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Behold, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. So, some people look at that and think, wow, that's kind of shocking. The Book of Mormon okays murder. This is not what is happening here. Old Testament heroes in various times were given commands to kill. Uh, and 
And there are lots of good examples. It was Elijah himself who took the priests of Baal, after calling down fire from heaven, down to the brook and killed them. It was... It, it were prophets were involved. Samuel himself was involved in war. Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, in the book of Judges, slew one of the enemies of Israel by deceiving him into thinking that her tent would be safe, waiting till he was asleep and pounding a tent stake into his temple. You know, this is something that we should kind of understand. Connect the Book of Mormon, with the Old Testament. This is an idea that we should not cast out the Old Testament just because events or prophecies that are contained there may not be expected or line up with um, some of our culture in the latter days. God's commandments are tailored to specific situations. So when God told Moses that they would start doing certain things, uh, certain types of meats, certain cleanings, certain ordinances, they did that. And when God told the apostles that it was time to stop doing some of those things and start teaching Greeks and eating pork, that's what they did. Some people can have a problem believing that God would ask certain things. Would a loving God ask such a thing? Um, really, this invites us to, to ponder the really important question is, how can we know a commandment comes from the Lord? And the consistent pattern throughout time is that the Lord expects people to trust his messengers and learn from his scriptures. Immediately after being prompted, Nephi was able to recall the details about his situation and the situation his father was in and the commandment of God. He knew the source and he could follow it knowing that it was right. And through obedience to this commandment, his people were able to have access to the scriptures that spared them uh, from a lot of problems that were encountered by other peoples who came to the American continent. They were also spared from being pursued as closely by Laban, who would have undoubtedly carried out his threats had he not been stopped. In the end, it is vital that we trust in God and in his prophets, even if a commandment or assignment is unexpected. God can help us to keep them and to learn from them. It's vital we not rush to anger or seek to discredit a prophet, particularly as they are preaching repentance. This has always been God's message, and careful reflection should lead every man to consider his choices more carefully. Even in times of great difficulty, it is a gift to see the opportunities that God offers each of us. Bad times end. The gains we achieve from following God need not end. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. We invite you to more thoroughly study. There is a lot of stuff we did not cover in these passages. 
and of course, next week we will be looking at First Nephi chapters 8 through 10, discussing Lehi's dream. Please continue to study, and as always, fight on. Thank <music> you.